Welcome, welcome, welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, as always, it is a pleasure to have you with us. We certainly hope that uh, you are going to uh, not only my website, but the website of my guests, who we link to, as always, we'll link to our guest website for today's conversation, uh, so that you can find out more about what they are all up to, because mostly what you're going to find at richarddugan.com is the uh, playlists for the podcasts from 2018 to the present, uh, as well as another page um, that will actually go all the way back to 2007. That's right. And if you do the math, we're in our 15th year, ladies and gentlemen, and it is absolutely fantastic. And just recently, as of this conversation with our guest, we are over 90 thousand listens. Now that doesn't sound like a lot, but it uh, it is significant over the last five years. So um, and and the way it's been working out for the most part, every time I go to check the previous twelve months from the present going back twelve months, it equals usually about one half of the total, which means in the previous four uh, fourteen years, we had forty five thousand listens. So. It's been ramping up, and I'm excited about that aspect of the numbers. Not so much that we're nine. We could be at nine thousand. It wouldn't. I just want the information to get out there, and the information today is going to come from our very special guest. She just happens to be, and I hope I'm correct in this, a local Santa Barbara. Uh, her name is Corina Maharani, and uh, she is part of an interesting lineage as well. We'll talk about. She has a website called Maharini. MaharaniAcademy.com. That's MaharaniAcademy.com. M-A-H-A-R-A-N-I-A-C-A-D-E-M-D-E-M, as in Academy, Y.com. And we'll be linked to that website. Karina, uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. I keep wanting to put a Russian accent to the name. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing really well. I know my name is a little bit confusing. Uh, it doesn't sound like it matches my German accent. Ah. But I was born in Germany. Born in Germany. Uh, but you live here in the Santa Barbara area. Yes, for the last 20 years and loving to call this my home. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. And you have, do you have what, uh, as we get into this, folks will understand why, if you do, have a brick and mortar uh, set up in terms of the work that you do that we're going to talk about? Yes, I have a, a, a healing center on 1605 Bass Street, and it is uh, a place where um, I'm doing my healings and I also uh, teach some classes on Ayurveda. On uh, Ayurveda, you have an Ayurveda uh, spa, mm -hmm. and you also pro you also offer on your website a lot of different uh, different things that can help people. One in particular we'll talk about is is dealing with the immune system. Uh, but to let our listeners know, she is a certified Ayurvedic practitioner and educator with over 30 years of experience in teaching and practicing Ayurvedic sacred body work, trademarked there, and uh, uh, Marma therapy and uh, Pancha Karma. Yes. We're going to find out what those are. Uh, we are going to your, your legal name, Maharani, uh, basically, it means great queen. Did you choose that or was that given to you by a mentor of sorts? 
No, I chose that. Um, it was my business name for many, many years. And it is um, basically for me, it doesn't mean that I think of myself as a great queen uh, in any way over other people. I think we all have that regal nature, that regal soul. And so it's an homage to the divine feminine or the divine great mother. And when I became a U.S. citizen, I was able to name myself anything. It could have been Rita Haywood, but I figured I wanted to merge with my business and become more embodied in it. Mm -hmm. Well, um, uh, our guest again is uh, Corinna Maharani, and uh, she is part of the Shaka Vincia Ayurveda lineage. Uh, there are so many different branches of what I, I talk about is the same tree, the same trunk. Um, mm -hmm. uh, for example, with Paramahansa Yogananda, I have found three different branches of that tr of the tree having to do, and of course he talks in his book, of course, about uh, Ayurveda, Ayurvedic uh, uh, therapy and so forth. But um, for example, there's the Self-Realization Fellowship. There's a Self-Inquiry Life Fellowship. And there's also another group. I, I don't know what their self, et cetera, is, but they have a community up in Northern California, up above uh, Yosemite. It's called Ananda Village. And uh, that was one of the things that uh, it's a small community, and they're and they're to, the, the the dream is to have multiple small communities all over the place. You don't want huge metropolises; you want to keep them uh, to a certain size. And uh, I know that part of the work that you do is in it, maybe it's indirectly is in helping to foster community. That's real important, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It is. It is also the one-on-one -on -one work I find very satisfying. It is both because you can really connect to one person in a very like um, intimate way with, you know, in that way that you really connect to their uh, soul through uh, touching them body work and uh, using these wonderful healing techniques of Ayurveda. But also, you know, this is something that should be available for the community. So next year, there are more community classes and events coming up because it's a community that holds us as an individual. And if we don't connect to our community, we will always feel isolated and disconnected, which is really a cause for disease. So mm -hmm. let's not have that. <laughs> yeah, let's let's not. Even though, you know, they say, well, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's right. But I don't want to go through that process if I don't have to. Uh, you know, I mean, we here in America, but around the world uh, have been going through some pretty challenging times in the last uh, nearly three years, specifically, and uh, uh, dealing with our health and well-being. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, I've been one of the fortunate ones that I have been able to continue my work, even at the brick and mortar where I happen to to work, as well as working from home. But I've also been working very hard to maintain my uh, my immune system and my health, my wellness, if you will, process. Mm -hmm. uh, you have been working for over 15 years, or you worked for 15 years, I should say, as the director of the Panchakarma Educational Program at the uh, Kanyakumari uh, Kanya Kanya uh -huh. School for Ayurveda. Uh, in of all places, no, not in Delhi, uh, mm -hmm. not in Bombay, but in Wisconsin, of all places, where you uh, taught hundreds of students the art of Ayurvedic bodywork and panchakarma, uh, many of who have gone on to start their own successful Ayurvedic businesses uh, working around the globe and in spas and clinics as well. 
when you start working with someone who is interested in this, what is one of the first questions that you ask them? Uh, you know, and it's great that a person would come to you and say, my life's purpose is to da 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 What's one of the first questions that you ask them to sort of make sure that you and they are not wasting uh, their time? Exactly. And it's a very simple question. It's very basically, so what's your intention for your visit? And, you know, you, you get sometimes like a few words like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm stressed out. And, uh, or somebody says, you know, I'm, you know, I'm feeling very sluggish. And then you dig a little bit more deeper, but people know what they need. And if I'm not feeling I'm a hundred percent a match for that, I'm super happy to always refer out. And I really love when it's right. So I love my work, but it's only working because I can make people feel that, you know, that, that, that they're receiving the healing that they wanted. Otherwise, I much rather don't. So it's a real win-win. Mm-hmm. You launched back in 2010 the uh, Maharani Academy. What, what is that? It's yeah. international as well as local here in Santa Barbara. Yeah, exactly. So uh, if I can back up a moment, you know, you mentioned I, I was doing this for 30 years, which is actually a very short time. Uh, I had oh, yeah. the pleasure to study with my teacher, Vajjaramakant Mishra, who is the founder of the, you know, who is uh, the founder of Shandika and, um, you know, a, a living uh, a living relative um, to uh, to uh, his lineage, the Shakavansa uh, Ayurveda lineage. He comes from 126 generations of Ayurveda going back. And I had 20 years of studying under him, um, which was a great honor and such a blessing for me. But when he passed away, that is when I felt, okay, you know, I, I have to take this knowledge somewhere. And I started this academy, which is working working on in a very uh, more you know, taking what I've learned, my clinical experience, but also bringing it across mainly to women. It's a kind of a, a loose, using more the the left brain type of teaching. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's what the reasoning for me to do it. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, you, you describe it that way, the left brain. Uh, the thought that flashed through my mind, because we've talked about both the feminine and masculine energies and so forth, left brain versus right brain, or not so much versus, but you've got a left brain and right brain. And um, in the case, let's say, of the left and right, they're all part of the brain. And right. that the brain itself, regardless of side, regardless of hemisphere, um, is is functioning together whether we like it or not. It's the emphasis that we put on the respective, um, I guess it's lobe, not hemisphere, but anyway. And so when I think about that in terms of the masculine and the feminine energies, I'm thinking with the same thing. It's just energy. It's it's which one are we, shall we say, emphasizing or de-emphasizing in our li- in our daily lives? And um, the, the the next process would be to understand more so um, how to get that back into balance. What's the main? And this again, I, I know that there is no, there's nothing necessarily to be quote unquote achieved because our lives are nothing more than a process. Uh, we're, we're constantly evolving, we're growing, we're learning and so forth. There is no end game per se. But what is, uh, what is Ayurvedic therapy and body work? What is it all about? Uh, again, I'm going to use the term end game, but uh, well, let me change the word. No. What's the purpose? 
Uh, you know, originally Ayurveda is something to be experienced, but we Westerners, we have a way of wanting to understand it. So we grab, we grasping it intellectually and maybe learning and categorizing each other in body types, leaning on sort of our Western understanding of people, very simplifying the knowledge. Well, really underneath it is infusing all aspects of life it has to be lived so when you learn about ayurveda you just read some books or you just do some um, sort of like intellectual exploration you're not getting it because it is sort of the science of life how do you live with the world around you and that's explored so you are deeply involved in your own self-care in ayurveda and when you learn more about taking care of yourself, I believe it influences your ability to take care of your environment and the world. Mm. And so Ayurveda, I feel, navigates people through a changing world right now. And that's why I feel so called to do this work and put it out into the community. We're talking with uh, our very special guest, uh, Karina, uh, Karina Maharani, and we are... Uh, we are talking about Ayurvedic uh, therapy. Are you the are you Ayurveda? I guess is a good way to put that into its its sub category, if you will. As we continue here on, tell me your story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, uh, Karina. Um, I wanted to uh, to ask you about what you just kind of talked about there in terms of the 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 Western perspective on in this case Ayurveda, uh-huh. uh, and that we want to. Um, and we want to understand it. We want to assimilate it, but we want to uh, categorize it. We want to put it in a box so we can better uh, deal with it and so forth. That's one of the things I found so fascinating, for example, about Chinese medicine that's been around for over 5,000 years. There's no FDA. You know, there's no governing body. The fact is that in this case, the Chinese, and when I say that, I say the Chinese people over the last 5,000 years, they just knew that it worked. Is that where Ayurveda comes from, The just the knowing, the intuitive knowing that it works? Yes and no. In no. part, it was cognized, you know, in terms of there were lots of yogis and yoginis that gathered information when in meditation they asked, how do we humans live optimized in this world? So we don't have to be constantly reincarnated. And so how do we make this life great? And we live long enough to get enlightened. I believe that that's part of the reason why this kind of started. You know? mm. Okay. But the other thing is over five or maybe 10,000 years, humans have gathered knowledge, practical experiences, living in nature. You do better if you go with the season. What do you eat each season? You know, you go better through the through the times of the day, if you go with the sun, they figured this out. And why not lean today in our confusing, changing world on something we have gathered, like a human heritage of all these years? Hmm. It's very interesting. It also raises the question that uh, uh, that I put forth on many of these programs, uh, and I put this forth to you as a question. Mm-hmm. Is nature our best teacher and we are part of nature so when we can look inside ourselves we see our relationship to nature we're not separate from nature we forget and that's a problem Mm. but 
interconnectedness, you know, is definitely the key to Ayurveda, to healing and to our understanding on how do we how do we make an impact in this world? You know, it's it's interesting. You've lived here in Santa Barbara and this on the central coast for uh, quite a number of years. And I've been here for uh, 16 going on 17 years coming this uh, summer of 2023. And um, I guess I could consider this my home now. At least it is for the time being. I don't know if if we're going to be moving or staying or what because I put my trust in the universe. Uh, I did that. Uh, my wife and I did that back in 2005, 2006 uh, because um, I lost my job due to um, a new a company that came in and bought the station and lied to the public about keeping everybody on and continuing the format and uh, they laid everybody off. And um, then my wife quit her job the day after my last day and we just decided, you know what? Um, we got things in place that where we could go to Santa Barbara. We thought about going to Ireland, but the resources would have been eaten up a lot faster. Came here for a week, went back home, put the house up for sale, and within two months, boom, we're on the road to Santa Barbara and been here ever since. That was the universe setting things in motion. I haven't seen that happen yet. I'm doing other things that the universe has guided me to do while, quote-unquote, waiting Although a good friend of mine told me, and I'm curious as to your perspective on this, that this is exactly where I need to be in this period of time, um, both physically but also energetically. Is your feeling the same way? Well, can I put a question back? Where do you feel that, that you know you're right here, you're supposed to be here right now? Because <laughs> one of the the biggest draws for me was that I needed to be by the ocean. Mm -hmm. I did not know where that was supposed to be. It could have been San Diego. It could have maybe been the Gulf Coast or the East Coast. Uh, it could have, for all I know, could have been Ireland, which is actually my, my, my dream destination mm -hmm. uh, because uh, it's easy to get to the ocean from pretty much anywhere on that island. And that was the biggest draw for me was I got to get to the ocean. I got to get to the water. And boom, here I am. And so it's like, all right, so I've made it. So this is that is why I feel that this is this is right. Plus the fact that mm -hmm. it's it's wonder. It's actually wonderfully disconcerting to have a coastline that is not facing west like it's supposed to be, quote unquote, you know, uh, it, it faces south and it, it changes the dynamic when I go to the beach uh, or look at the ocean from the hillside when we're coming down the hill and I can see the, the vastness of the Channel Islands and so forth. And it just feels it just I don't know, it, 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 that feeling, it's just a feeling of rightness. Mm -hmm. Do you have that same sense in that regard? You know, I love when I when I wish for something, I always uh, speak to the universe too because I believe that is that incredible force. I love to name it the universe because it's just the biggest thing I can not imagine. Yeah. And 
you know, and then I also say that or something better or something if you if you know better. I feel like I have an unmanifested connection to something in the outer realms that is always sort of flooding me with information, and I'm just sort of like got to stop controlling everything and let sort of a wish come. And then speak it and do my best, but also leave a little bit for the universe to notch me, you know? Mm-hmm. Look at you, your journey to Santa Barbara. It's such a place to live. And so I assume you're happy here. But some people could say, hey, you don't have great sunsets because your beaches don't, don't <laughs> turn west. It's all perception. If mm-hmm. you're happy here, you did it right. Well, and that's the other thing, too, that... that- I find so fascinating people I, I hear this uh, in the media and you know commercials things like this that uh, uh, this is uh, probably one of the most expensive places to live in the world if not just in the United States and I have always been dealing with throughout my life as many of us do with uh, prosperity abundance finances and it's like wow uh, they say this is one of the most expensive places to live. I come from Phoenix, Arizona. I don't know where it ranks, but to move to a place with that kind of a a label or reputation, you know, that's saying something, you know. And and we've been blessed with some great abundance and prosperity that I want to talk about in terms of the work that you do, as well as some of the things that you offer through your website. Uh, Corinna Maharani is my guest, and we are talking about uh, the area of Ayurveda, and this is Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, uh, Corinna is uh, my guest, Corinna Maharani, and uh, this is really a pleasure to have you here, and I'm going to have to make it over to your brick and mortar to uh, uh, to see the the things that you have there, and maybe have an opportunity to experience one of these uh, these sessions uh, in in the spa. Or the uh, I know that you also promote on your website uh, uh, self massage. I saw this uh, one of these things that you offer is one of these uh, copper and uh, steel stainless steel uh, war- oil warming pots. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. But it can be used also as an infuser in terms of just putting an aroma into the air, which I know can make a huge difference on uh, both the mental and emotional levels. Talk to us a little bit about that in terms of um, uh, sort of getting ourselves centered, especially with a lot of what some people perceive as um, local and national, let alone global chaos as we define it, and getting oneself centered again, which to me I think is so important to do so that we don't get, you know, dragged into things that, first of all, we have no control over. Right. And second of all, that actually can do more harm to us than good and it distracts us from our, let's say, our purpose in life. You know, it's interesting with the sense of control because we have sometimes control of things immediately around us. Like, how do we, where do we live? Santa Barbara has been always a place where people came for healing. You know, if it was the L.A. Hollywood crowd that actually started in Santa Barbara, or when people just come for, to be with the mountains, the hot springs, the rivers, the ocean, it's pretty fantastic for healing. But at home, wherever you are, you can create some environment for yourself 
in your bathroom, in your bedroom that could be enhancing your experience of living, like aroma oils in a little stainless steel container. Why not? But also like, you know, put some oil in your bathroom where you can see it every day and have something to warm your oil. And every morning, put a little protective layer of herbalized oil on your body that makes you feel cocooned and connected to herbs. And, you know, it's such a great experience. And I think that, you know, there's only so many, I have, I have a very old standing clientele and I'm feeling what my experience now is, is I want to teach people to really take care of themselves more. And that means, you know, like eating a way that is suiting to you or doing a, having a day routine that makes you happier and more grounded. These are things I love to teach. Um, and I think what is the, when I said earlier, Ayurveda is an experiential experience. You know, it's really nice when you feel this truly feels good. It's not because I read it somewhere. Somebody told me, you just got to do it. Mm. It is to me, uh, uh, fascinating these conversations when we're talking about health and wellness, and I would rather work on uh, wellness. I don't even like using the word preventative health care. Uh, I just want to work on wellness. There are certain things like, you know, and I'm thankful for this, that throughout my entire life, including my childhood, I never broke a bone in my body, and yet I had uh, friends in school who They'd come to work and I got a cast on now and all this kind of – and they get it signed and this and that. I'm going, you don't know how to land. (laughs) You need to learn how to roll when you hit the ground. But it happens. You know, there are certain things. For example, I had a – I had a rather – according to the the surgeon, I had a very infected gallbladder along with a golf ball size uh, gallstone. And I had the whole thing, everything removed in the summer of 2021. And um, that was rather interesting because I'd never had anything like that removed. I've had eye surgeries. Uh, mm-hmm. I've had um, uh, one. I had a I had an arthroscopic knee surgery uh, that has been fantastic ever since I had that done maybe five years ago. And um, and and so those are some of the things that sometimes you know you you can't help. But then it's a blessing sometimes you know when you yeah. break a leg. But what we do, the what, what they call alternative medicine, is more the original medicine. Yeah, it's modern medicine that's sort of more the alternative because you know what what we have learned to take herbs from the garden and make a comfrey pack for your broken limb. You know, and even the Native Americans, they are our original seers in America. They had so much knowledge about how to use sage and other herbs and. Well, the other thing, too, uh, is that our intuition is going to guide us as well. Uh, one of the first, shall we call it, attributes or, or, or uh, uh, um, peripheral um, uh, that, that are akin to it uh, that I was taught, and this is going back to the, uh, I think, the mid-80s, was a, a process called kinesiology. And the way it was taught to me was with, with the hands, you know, you do this and then you do this. Yes, no, and 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 that's the process. And then over time, you don't even need to do that physical outward manifestation. You just walk up to, let's say, I don't know, a head of lettuce or a bottle of vitamins or something, and you just you just know internally that you know. Yeah, this is a good or no, I'm not going to mess with that. I find it interesting also that um, there are those who 
supposedly spend their lifetimes doing everything they can to maintain good health. They're taking vitamins and supplements and teas and and they're getting massages and they're doing, let's say, Ayurvedic this and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then they come down with whatever the, the dis-ease is. And then you hear about these people in the far-off countries. Uh, Russia seems to be one of them where one of these Russians who is 147 years old, and they're, well, what is it that, uh, you know, you, you, what do you attribute to your old age? Well, I, I, have, a, I have a cigar and I have a, 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 a shot of vodka every morning before I get out of bed. And I'm going, okay, uh, what else are you doing? And, and, and so then you start questioning if, if all of this alternative health and wellness is, is really doing any good. But by the same token, we don't know what other, shall we say, environmental issues are at play, specifically in this country, uh, especially if you're in the city. I mean, my goodness, we're bombarded constantly, aren't we, uh, Corina, by all yeah. kinds of waves. Absolutely. And how do you navigate through that? It's, you know, a single combination of informing yourself. Like do your own research because doctors today don't have time to tell you about contraindications and how does this work with your other things you take. And so it's very uh, hard sometimes for people to do that, but that's obviously necessary. And then, you know, the other thing is I feel everything has a vibration. That's why kinesiology works, you know. And if we train ourselves to not just believe what an authority has told us is right, if it's even a well-meaning authority in nutrition or pharmaceutical, whatever, you know, follow that gut feeling because there may be something really off here and yeah. important to follow that. You, I, was, yeah. I can't even explain it, but I followed that gut in so many ways. It's led me really always in mysterious ways and oh, I, I regret none. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I, I have to I'll share with you that um, um, when in 2020, July, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. My doctor said that it was going to be a long, hard road, Richard. It's going to be a long, hard road to bring that down. I was at 11.2 um, uh, A1C, which is, which is a, basically, folks, a, uh, an average that you get from a, a three-month period with a blood test. And when he tested me that day, it was 500, I think it was 523, something like that. That's pretty damn high. And I, I had no idea. But I also knew how I got there. Because four months earlier, March 2020, they declared a pandemic and said everybody stay home. And what did everybody start eating? Comfort foods. What's in comfort foods? Starch, starches, carbs, and sugar. And I said to the doc in July, I said, no, no, it's not. It's not because I know how I got here. And less than a month and a half later, my blood sugar was down to normal and has been there ever since. Primarily, I knocked out sodas. But it was the determination that I had that because I keep telling people, I want to live to outlive my great-grandmother who lived to be 100. I'm 62. What is that? I got plus, 38 plus years to go. You know, and I want to do it in a healthy way. Quality of life. Let's talk a little bit about that as opposed to quantity. I will tell you, if it ain't quality, I don't want to make it to 100. I'll go ahead and give up that goal you know? <laughs> because 
if I'm not having fun, if I am not in good health, um, I don't want to live to be a hundred. Yeah, and you know, it's sometimes it's um, I, I'm amazed that sometimes people that I would consider have so much more hardships than me are much more happier than me, and I'm always feeling like, wow, I would be so miserable if I were them. So I don't know what it is where my you know where my pendulum is set, but I think that you want to optimize. You want to always feel like maybe I have this disease or that genetic problem or you know i got deprived of my some of my senses that is such a shock mm-hmm. to us but it can be a wake-up call to say well you know what okay i'm having a new life now a new experience and there's also gifts in that and what is that you know i'm such a i'm always feeling very optimistic about the future and that's something that's been with me because i feel there's this i believe in magic I really do. Oh, I love that. I love that. Corinna Maharani is my guest. We're talking about Ayurveda and, uh, of course, the Ayurvedic body work that she does. We'll talk a little bit about that as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And uh, uh, Ayurveda comes from what um, uh, I'm going to say it comes from the areas around India, right, Uh, and and so forth. Any particular philosophy or is it a philosophy unto itself? it is it it can be turned into a philosophy it can be turned into a doctrine it can be turned into anything but really what it is it's called a science a science of life of how things operate and so yeah okay. that's what it it was it had a cradle in india and in the vedic civilization and then was brought into north and south india different schools developed through you know depending on how this journey of ayurveda went and eventually went to china and then chinese medicine was born which was is, is um significantly younger and there's a lot about ayurveda that was lost due to the invasions into india and parts of the ayurvedic knowledge like mama points energy work was complete forbidden by the uh, by the invaders and you know so everything was driven into the underground and so today it's kind of a revival that i observed in the 30 years of my practice it's like it's it's unbelievable how ayurveda has taken over also mainstream sometimes it gets misunderstood there because it gets so simplified so we can grasp the knowledge without making it a living science. Mm. So it is not a doctrine. It is not belonging to a particular culture. It is really something that is just existing guidance that we have. Karina Maharani is my guest, and uh, you are listening to uh, Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. I want to ask you, uh, Karina, that something that just hit me um, and of course, as I tell everybody, I uh, the universe is asking the questions. I'm just along for the ride. So this has come up. We have a lot of people around the world, let alone in this country, who, uh, yes, they go to their doctor for whatever the condition is, the dis-ease, as we'll use the general term. And um, they're, they're given a, a, a diagnosis, then they're given a, a, a treatment, a protocol and so forth uh, to get rid of it. But that isn't enough uh, because many people do not have the uh, self-confidence and self-worth to believe that they are worthy to not only receive the wellness uh, and the ease, 
but that um, because of some of the things they've done in their past, uh, they deserve to be in dis-ease. Is there anything within Ayurveda that can assist in raising an individual's sense of confidence and uh, uh, self-worth, not egotism, okay, but a, a, a healthy acceptance of who they are as an individual. Because uh, I have a feeling that that is a huge area where, uh, you know, people, you know, oh, I deserve to have cancer or I deserve to have asthma. Or, I, and my sister, who passed away in March of this year, um, she was 60, almost 65. And I was told that throughout her entire life, with all of the illnesses that she had, starting out as a kid with asthma, she was never bitter. Oh, and I'm going, wow. So can you help us to uh, – uh, can, can, is there something you can help us with to help to, to fortify and bolster our, our, our sure. self-confidence? Sure. I mean, I think sometimes we've been so disempowered. You know, I mean, this is, this is a tough planet for, for us humans right now to fit in, to – you know, to pay the rent and to take care of our families and have a job and this and that. And so taking care of yourself has often a negative undertone, like you're a selfish mother or you are, you know, a bad daughter or not a good husband. And so interesting, by neglecting who we are, we become part of a problem. Men die much younger than they should, mm -hmm. you know, definitely because men take even less care of themselves. So they die you know, on average five years before women die. And, you know, when you get older and you haven't taken care of yourself, then you have a low quality of life and you will have less fun. And and sometimes taking care of yourself doesn't have to be an ugly thing. It's an opposition. When you kind of get more in touch with what food makes you feel good, and what tea makes you feel better, it's better quality of life and that inspires you to do more. It is that people get overwhelmed because they think they have to change everything in their lives. But just take something like switch something up in your life that you know is good for you and try and to really feel how it makes you feel different when you do it. Mm. And you build on that. Yeah. I dropped sodas from my diet on the 24th of July, 2020, the day I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Now, I switched to those uh, sparkling flavored waters because I like the fizz, okay? And uh, someone said to me, yeah, but you know that the nitrogen and da-da-da-da-da, that's not good for me. I said, look, can I take one step at a time, please? All right? I got rid of the sugar, all right? <laughs> it was not good for me. All right, so I'll deal. And then, of course, it's in plastic bottles. And there's another issue that someone might bring up. And it's like, one step at a time, please. Um, well, and also, you know, I mean, I mean, Richard, I feel like it's an overwhelming that people think you have to be a vegetarian to yeah. do natural medicine or something. Uh, you can make ourselves crazy because it, we, can, we step on, we, we can, it's so hard to really like live through life and not cause some sort of harm and not wanting to be a monk in a cave. So we have to make this kind of work for us who we are and take baby steps. Like you said. Yeah. 
And it is a challenge. There's no question about it. I mean, I, I feel that um, some days, uh, but other days, um, I, I like to uh, I like to use uh, my my Reiki training as a Reiki master um, on my food. And sometimes I do it uh, uh, just internally and and try to do it consciously. But maybe just try to say, hey, you know, uh, you know, bless this food, you know, regardless of how it was, how it was uh, uh, harvested and so forth, whether it's uh, chicken or beef or vegetables and so forth. Uh, and, you know, for, for my highest good and so forth. And uh, just kind of put it in that context. And quite, uh, for example, I, had, I used to have heartburn. And I used to wonder why. And we're ta- now we're talking 20, 30 years ago. I couldn't figure out at first. And then I started putting it together. It's like, okay, what did I have for dinner? I had pork spare ribs. Oh, every time I have pork spare ribs, I get heartburn. So I don't have pork spare ribs. It's not rocket science. (laughs) We we sometimes have these cravings and we have to slow down and to feel into them. What is it that I'm really wanting? You know, maybe it's the salt that you're wanting or the flavor of of some sort of spicy barbecue sauce. And and I feel that we, we mean well when we have a craving. Our body says, I want something. But we just kind of think, okay, is there another way that I can give this to myself that actually meets my goal to feel better? And there yeah. usually is something if you slow it down. You slow it. That's the key right there. Slow it down. Um, we don't have to. It's not an immediacy. You know, when I was 15, uh, Corina, I I used to think about this saying, OK, I'm 15 years of age. And if I start putting the right things in and my mother was part of that process because she was trying to feed us the best that she could. She would make she would make homemade yogurt. OK, for starters. All right. And many other things like this. Uh, and um, so I started thinking about that. And I've, I've maintained that awareness even into my 60s. And I'd like to consider myself very healthy. The only real issues I have are, are high blood pressure, which I think is more mental than anything else. Uh, had, past tense, type 2 diabetes. When okay. I see the commercials for the medications, oh, you can get your, you can get your A1C down to 7 uh no, I got mine down to 5.7 in a month and a half. It doesn't take a pill. Now, there are other underlying conditions I'm sure that people are dealing with and so mine might be a very unusual situation, but be that as it may, uh someone said to me when I see these commercials I say, "God, what is wrong with these people? Don't they have the will?" to which someone said to me, "That's probably more what it is. They don't have the willpower." to do what really needs to be done and they think it's easier to take a pill. Yes, and that's what we've been told, isn't it? What everybody tells us too, you know, self-love, self-empowerment is and self-care is not promoted. Nobody's benefiting on it. Nobody makes a buck on it. So, and yeah. we are so bombarded with, with we, we fix all your issues. Yeah. Um, I used to tell myself also when I was watching television and I would see these different commercials. Now this is going back to both my childhood and teen years, um, I knew what the commercials were there to do. They were there to get me to purchase whatever it is they were promoting. And I said, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to buy into this philosophy. If it's on TV, I'm going to buy it. If it's on the radio, and and here's the real irony, I'm in radio and I produce commercials to get people to, and fortunately most of the commercials that I've ever produced were for either services 
or uh, uh, or events people could attend in terms of uh, like a, a, a theatrical presentation or maybe we have a parade that's going on down uh, downtown or those kinds of things. Entertainment. Let's put it that way. Uh, and those are good things. Those are, those are fun things that people, families can participate in. So I didn't feel too badly that I was, I was promoting a lot of products that people didn't really need, you know, kind of thing. But what we – and I guess I could put it this way, uh, Corina. We do need and hopefully want good or optimal health, Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think so. But then don't we all do so many things every day? We know it sort of works contrary to that. Yeah. You know? And I think there's something about, yes, we 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 have to deal with our, um, we have to take more responsibility for our body. But it can really be done with kindness. Because mm. you, know? you may just cook, cook really well for a week and then you fall off the bandwagon and go back to your old favorites. Just don't beat up on yourself. Just next day, try it again. And yeah. over time, when you feel better, which I think, you know, which I think everybody kind of knows what they need, yeah. um, you, you, you're just encouraged to go more. So the better it gets, the better it gets. Yeah. And dumb food, my, my teacher always said, like some food, like canned food or dead food is dumb food. It doesn't feed into your intelligence, you know? Mm. And so it's easy when it's worse, it gets worse. Oh, I might as well drink and I might as well have coffee and alcohol. And, you know, I might just pile on everything. And so let's turning the trend around. You have to relax a little bit. Yeah. You have to take it easier. Yeah. My father, uh, who never likes to be referred to as a wise guy, he doesn't like to be known as someone of, of wisdom, but... Dad, <laughs> you were, you are. He's ninety-one and uh, still kicking, still doing well. Uh, says, uh, eat, drink, and be merry in moderation, because nobody gets out of this world alive. And it's <laughs> yeah. true. It is true. No one gets out of this world alive. That is, that's the norm. If there have been those who haven't left and have been here for thousands of years, uh, I haven't met them yet. Or I have, and boy, they've taken really good care of themselves. Um, But I want to talk to you as we continue here about the emotional impact of some of the items, some of the, uh, we'll call them products or offerings that you have through your website uh, as we continue talking about Ayurveda and Ayurvedic body work here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And um, and Corina Maharani is my guest. I want to ask you about, (coughs) pardon me, (coughs) some of the some of the aromas, the fragrances, the scents that can facilitate along with sound. Sound is another area we could talk about too. But specifically right now, those things that we take in through our olfactory sense uh, that can facilitate maybe what I asked about before in terms of one's self-confidence, calming, because I know a lot of people are dealing with a lot of anxiety and depression, Um, maybe even... Uh, energizing one because I, I really would like to do this thing, but I just kind of dragging my butt across the floor here and I just can't, I can't motivate myself, but there's something inside of me that says I need to be doing this. Um, those kinds of things. What, what are you offer and how do you uh, deal with that? Because everyone is different. Everyone is an individual. And uh, are there, are there some of these 
fragrances that are universal? Well, they all have a particular quality, but they have they react differently to each individual. And so I usually like start with uh, consultations and I learn about a person's constitution and their present state of being and then suggest some something to impact their senses. So it could be, you know, eyes, ears, nose, taste. So um, skin. So when you start to cleanse or purify your senses, you start to perceive the world in a different way. You know, you do some treatments for working on your ears and you are then, you know, listening conscientiously to particular sounds. Um, you have a different awareness when you got back out into the world about hearing, you know, you're more conscious about it. And we purify and cleanse really all the orifices, the eyes, you know, the nose and um, the skin is, our barrier to the outside world. So when we do what I call Ayurvedic sacred body work, it works on the energetics of the body, on the marma points or the energetic centers through which life force flows. Life force could, you could say, it's like the breath of the, it's like something that just comes into your body and travels along the different channels to your organs and tissues. And so when we feel down, we feel often disconnected. Something isn't flowing through us. And so body work can help sometimes to to bring that back into circulation. Do you pick up on uh, the individual's, um, I don't know, state of mind, uh, um, flow of energy, et cetera, et cetera? Is there a, an intuitive or um, – I, I, hesitate to use the word because I don't want to put you into a category that you're not in, but is there like a psychic connection that you develop with the, with the client? You know, I don't think so. Um, I think I have some clinical experience been working with people for 30 years. So there is something that it sounds like it's intuitive. I mean, I have a feeling about an individual and I, I kind of can sense what they might need, but I also put the responsibility back to them and ask them, you know, what brought you here? What's your intention? And, mm. and like I said, that's an important starting point for me. Well, it is something that each one of us needs to dive into because, uh, you know, we're, we're here and we're here together. And yes. uh, there's a reason why we're here together. Uh, we all could be on in our own planet, uh, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and, and by the way, as of this conversation, we're now uh, way over 8 billion people on the planet, according to the global counter, if you will, population counter. Matter of fact, it went over uh, 8 billion back in November of 2022. And uh, we're still growing, kids. And more disconnected than ever. You know, we, we on our phones in a restaurant. Yeah. We are just emailing people that sit right next to us in the office. And yeah. it's that, that why community is so important and bringing people together and yeah. not feeling isolated from the world around us. So yeah. literally going out. Yeah. For me, nature does it every time. I start to feel connected to something again in nature. Yeah. Well, you do, you go right ahead. I've, I've got a call i got to make. So I'll, I'll talk to you in a few minutes. No. <laughs> Right. It's it it is unfortunate, and I see people with their heads down, uh, you know, uh, on their phones as they're walking. Oh, down. I do it too. My dog yeah. barks at me when I'm at the beach picking up my phone, and I'm like, "You are right. What am I doing? I'm in Santa yeah. Barbara by the beach. Put the phone away." Yeah, I've wanted to drop it off uh, Stern's Wharf a couple of times, <laughs> uh, but then, uh, in addition to getting rid of the phone. 
I'm now polluting the water. So I don't want to go down that road. Uh, you know, I don't want to get fined on top of <laughs> polluting the that water. That was the only reason why you didn't do it. That is a, primarily, <laughs> yes. Uh, it takes discipline. It really does. And, um, you know, uh, I, I do my best when we're home too, uh, let alone at work. It's hard at work because I'm dealing with so many different people and everybody wants something all the time. And, uh, most of us have addictions of different sorts. It may be your pasta, it may be your coffee, it may be your phone, you know, it may be crime stories, whatever. And nobody is superior here. Uh, I feel like we all, we all fight the good fight. We, Got to be compassionate with ourselves in that. Compassionate with ourselves, but also compassionate with each other. Yeah. I uh, I used to share this uh, particular uh, analogy that, <clears throat> you know, uh, in your life, uh, there are voices that you listen to and uh, there are voices that you listen to that you will hear maybe on the average of if this much, five minutes once a week. But there are other voices or voice that you hear uh, regular, regularly, 24-7, 365, that you ignore. And um, that is that internal voice. That's still small voice we talk about when oh, we encourage so people. So you are talking about my mother. <laughs> 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 no, no, not your mother. Um, but we encourage people during the decade of perfect vision to listen to, to go within uh, during the decade of 2020, the, per- the uh, decade of perfect vision. Tell mm-hmm. us about not only your experiences with your own inner life and that, that being what you choose to share with us here, but the importance of us doing that. Following our intuition. Listening to and then following the promptings, yes. I mean, I think first we have to recognize the world outside is not encouraging it. You know, from from little kids on, we look at them as empty canvases. We just need to fill with information and tell them what's up and what's down. And so we all come from that experience. And so when you then sort of like start to say, well, actually, my opinion about my path is much more important than anyone else's because it is so intimately my journey, you know, that that has to just occur. And then we feel connected again to some part of us because I think we all have a reason why we got here. At least that's my personal philosophy. I like to always figure out what is it that I truly intended in this earth? Is it to make a million dollars? I don't think so per se, but is it to, you know, to reach a lot of people with, Knowledge of Ayurveda and the Vedas, absolutely. Confidently, I think it is. You know, it's so everybody, what, what, whatever rocks your boat, <laughs> happiness is the thing that makes you healthier than anything else. You know, you can, you can have the most perfect diet and lifestyle, but if you are really not appreciating your journey, you're going to probably get yourself sick despite. That's a good way to put it. If you're not appreciating your journey. And there are a lot of people you can look at them and and you just can see. Uh, I, I, I don't know if this is true or not. Maybe you have a handle on this uh, more than I do. Obesity in this country alone shows me that these people who are very large 
are not appreciating the journey they're on because they're putting on this larger and larger protective shell. That's how it's been described in uh, in the psychological uh, arena, that when someone is putting on all this weight that they didn't have before, there was some kind of a trauma, some kind of an, an event, and now they're having to put this this uh, a shield on, this, this suit of armor. I think in Ayurveda, you could say there are three different reasons for this to be. And most people seem to resonate with one or the other or a combination of things. And I myself had fluctuation with weight. So I explored it for myself and I could see when I'm doing what. Like sometimes weight symbolizes something internally for you. Like I think every disease manifests sort of in sort of a subtler realm first. So you could feel really empty, which was when I went through a divorce, I felt so empty and I overate to fill myself. It was sort of a way to nurture myself. And then there's also that time when, when one over, you know, when you hold on to weight, it's like you almost hold on to grief, you hold on to old memories, or you hold on to things that are just like not serving you. And it's a stuckness in that, you know. Um, or you have a ravishing fire burning inside of you and you're just fueling it constantly. Like we look at Ayurveda at the individual and say, why are you overweight? You know, without judgment of, you're not disciplined. It's more like there's always a good reason why we do things. It's just not the right reason. You know, it is it is something that drove us to it, but it's not necessarily the best avenue to get there. If you feel empty, like I was feeling, finally, I called friends and I reached out and I said, you know what? I'm so lonely. I'm not used to being alone. And I called some good girlfriends and that's how we do it. But you have to slow down and feel into, why am I overeating tonight? What what is it? Why am I so empty feeling? Is this the best way to do it? Mm. You know, compassionately see triggering you a little bit into a joyful way of like, you know what? Just eat the pizza, but first call your friend Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> I get a great joy out of telling people uh, that I have known my best friend for uh, now fifty one years. Uh, considering I'm 62, I think I met him when I was 11 or 12 in grade school, and we have uh, stayed connected ever since, and it's really kind of cool. Um, and uh, I get a thrill out of saying those kinds of things. I love those kind of milestones. You know, yeah. I was pretty excited when I hit 50. I was pretty excited when I hit 60. And um, it's just amazing. Uh, as I get older, it's kind of like that line from uh, uh, a John Denver song, uh, it turns me on to think of growing old. Uh, wow. be, you know, and I used That's to think the reality for most of us women, when I turned 50, I went into a total crisis mode, like half a century. I haven't done half the things I want to do is like, you know, oh, my God, I'm an old woman. Uh, you know, it's like internal dialogue. Uh, at least I'm not young anymore. Yeah. And and so, yeah, we've been taught that, too. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that at the age of 92, you're looking pretty darn good. <laughs> Right. <laughs> kidding, folks. Kidding. Ah. Um, uh, I, I just, uh, you know, and my my father, as I said, he'll be uh, he'll be 92 in August of 2023. Uh, ah. My mother will be 89. She'll be hitting the big nine zero in another year and a half. And um, they're doing well. They're doing well. And we have longevity on our sides, both sides of the family. I still remember on my father's side, our great grandmother. She lived to be I think she lived to be at least 100 or very close on my mother's side, the same thing. Her her grandmother, my great-grandmother, lived to be 100. And at one point in time, for quite a while, we had four generations. Four! Wow. 
Awesome. And then my great-grandmother passed. And uh, we were down to three again, my mother and, of course, her daughter, my eldest sister who just recently passed. And then my sister had had a daughter. And then her daughter, who at the age, I don't know, of, of I guess, uh, 30, she had a little girl. And boom, back four generations. I become a great uncle and all is right with the world. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's just something about that kind of lineage. Is yeah. that also – part of the process that we want to leave a lineage, a legacy, but it's kind of hard to do that when you're, you just don't feel up to it. Nobody listens to our old people anymore. You know, they're kind of put into a a place away from activity. You don't see even older people in coffee shops much. And it's almost like a shame to be over 80 or, you know, I feel there's something about the way you know, we, we disregard wisdom of the of the older generations. Mm-hmm. They knew how to fix a sore throat with a potato wrap around the throat or some special honey turmeric tea. But we have to go to Rite Aid for a sore throat tablet. <laughs> and, you know, I think there really there really two things that keep you young. One is you want to feel connected. You have to have like your bestie and you have to find way to connect to the community or club. But then the other thing is also they found out that taking care of something is really keeping people young and connected. So like when uh, when in um, in old folks' homes, uh, people were taking care of a plan. They lived longer than people that didn't have that responsibility. And I noticed when I got my, my dog, how happier I became just because I really literally strive in taking care of something. Mm-hmm. And that was a good lesson for me. Well, I tell you, there are things that I have done in the last uh, year, year and a half that have uh, definitely been out of the norm for me um, and uh, participating in a in a, a group of people that are putting on a performance uh, in Santa Barbara on the 17th and 18th of December called the Santa Barbara Revels. We're going to be there at the Libero Theater. You know where that is over on uh, here in Santa Barbara, over on Anacapa. And I think it's uh, – no, 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 no. What am I thinking of? I can't think of the cross street now. It's, it's escaping me. But anyway, the Libero Theater, and it's the Scottish solstice celebration that we're putting on uh, on stage those two two days – and um, and I'm looking forward to that. It's something I've never done this before. I mean, maybe as a kid growing up, and yes, I was part of a choral group here in Santa Barbara that also broke up into quartets, male quartets, uh, that we would go around on Valentine's Day. People would purchase uh, uh, a singing Valentine, and we'd do that. So that was fun. But this is my first on-stage thing since probably grade school. <laughs> and it's 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 changed me. I, I I can feel that. I know that. That's one of those things you know, like we talked about before. And um and I'm happy that I chose to do it. Uh it's definitely uncomfortable. Is that one of the attributes to knowing that you're going in the right direction sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes that there's yeah, this certain uh-huh. level of knowing but also a sense of uncomfortableness. Exactly, because we're making a leap, right? We're lifting one foot off the familiar ground, and that's kind of what uncomfortable would be a judgment, but there's no ground under your feet. It could go either way, and then before you land your foot in a new place, you don't really know, and if you have no faith in the universe or in your God, then it's a scary space to be, but 
most of the time we do quite well and humans are success story like you said how many how many people are on earth now 8 billion plus it doubled in my lifetime oh and that's my heavens. something that you noticed you yeah, know? mine too right yeah. In our life. yeah so hey that's a lot of people so we are success stories so we can relax a little bit more right yeah and so if you don't relax you don't make the leap you get stuck in the same space i think yeah do you think that that the the uh, <laughs> saying accumulation, the increase in population, and the fact that we are all we all have energetic bodies, and some of us we're sort of aligned. You know, you and I are probably like-minded individuals, and we also associate with like-minded individuals for most of the most of the time. Um, what is your perception of? Um, the energies in that regard in terms of how it impacts what happens on the outside, but also how that can interfere maybe with and affect us on the inside with with so many other energetic bodies. No, and I think the earth must be a real hot pot for souls to want to come to because it's an amazing learning platform. It's amazing place of beauty and challenges on which we can grow upon. I mean, it must be because we all here, right? Yeah. Isn't that interesting too, though, the way you phrased it? And then I think about the problem they say we have with illegal immigration. Ah, yeah. So minor in comparison. Uh, Yeah. yeah. So many people all want a handy and they all want fast food. There's so much... There's, un- there's an, a way of living that is maximized because we are so many people that is causing the environmental problems, right? We all, and I'm guilty just as much, not sure. pointing fingers there. Yeah, me too, <laughs> me too. <laughs> but if we were only a million people, who would care? Who would care what is, you know, how much junk we throw in the ocean? Would yeah. be nothing. But now it's a problem. Yeah, I find it interesting too, those people who have a problem with... Uh, uh, the the issue of people loving people regardless of sex, uh, mm-hmm. same sex or opposite sex, and and I sit here thinking about a conversation I had with a rabbi. We were discussing the one law in Leviticus, uh, uh, supposedly having to do with men lying with men and women lying with women. And he says, "Do you know the context in which that was written?" I said, "No, I do not." He says, "The context," and this is from a Jewish rabbi. And we both have a good idea of, as to the level of study that these gentlemen go through. And women. There are some female rabbis. He says the reason was because they didn't want there to be any interference with the procreative process of man. So let's bring that to today. Do you honestly believe, ladies and gentlemen, that there has been an interference with the procreative process of man? I don't think so. Exactly. Yeah. We have 8 billion and it's growing. And who knows, maybe by the end of this coming year, 2023, I don't know. I don't know what the prediction is. Maybe at nine or eight and a half, whatever it's going to be. But the fact is, we keep making more of us. And more, as you say, more and more souls want to come here. You know? They like, well, for whatever reason, they, they, got an, they got a memo or they got a flyer in the mail or something saying, Come to Earth. It's like a party. 
Right. And, you know, personally, I love the biodiversity on the planet. I love that we also have rhinos and that we also have other animals on the planet we share this planet with. And, you know, I think, I mean, I, I don't want to judge anybody's life's mission. I, I think it's an amazing, satisfying experience to have children and be connected to a family through generations like that. I'm sure that's very powerful. I never made that choice. But I do think that I wish I wish for a world where we had more than just factory farms and huge high risers with humans working like robots and hating their existence. You know, I think we should all slow down a tad and kind of like perhaps re-examine re where we're heading. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Corina Maharani, my guest, Ayurveda and Ayurvedic body work. We're talking about that, her website. Uh, we would really encourage you to find out more about the work that she has been doing for 30-plus years. Go to MaharaniAcademy.com. We'll be linked to that website, MaharaniAcademy.com, M-A-H-A-R-A-N-I-A-C-A-D-E-M, as in Mary, Y.com. That is the website. We hope that you will find out more about her as well as maybe make an appointment. You can always uh, you can always touch base with her. She's got a phone number listed there on the website. Uh, sometimes you give out too much information and it's a little little cumbersome, but it is an 805 area code. So uh, it's here locally here on the Central Coast. And we hope that you will uh, uh, look her up uh, as well as uh, look up her website. Once again, MaharaniAcademy.com. And uh, we are here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it has been a real pleasure to have you on our program today. And I'm going to make it a point to swing by your brick and mortar. I'd love to see the things that you have. There are some things that I would love to pick up for uh, for uh, my wife, uh, who um, she's dealing with some stuff, and I want to help her and uh, try to to to, uh, to facilitate uh, her well-being as well. Uh, that then makes the relationship uh, all that much more uh, fun, as it were. So, uh, folks, consider that possibility. I do have three final questions that I like to ask all of my guests. And here we are in our 15th year. And uh, I have uh, three questions, two of which originate from the very beginning. Uh, third one I threw in. I uh, hope you get the uh, the the movie reference as we uh, as we get there. But before I ask you those questions, I'll let you stew a little. I want to thank you for listening to and watching. Tell me your story. New paradigms for a new world. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at seven a.m. and seven p.m. Monday mornings at one a.m. and streaming live as well at those times as well as on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. We are podcasting on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. And we're also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. We hope that you will. <clears throat> and we also ask uh, that you take the time, as I mentioned earlier, to spend that time in that quiet, peaceful, calm inner space listening to that still small voice and then following the promptings. Uh, I used to say this, uh, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, but I'm serious also. If you're going to listen to that still small voice and not follow the promptings, why are you listening? Please listen and follow. It's not there to hurt you. 
may challenge you. It's challenged me on a number of occasions, but never will put you in harm's way. We also ask that if you can support the work we are doing here financially, we have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. And when they ask you for an email address to whom you're going to send the support to, it is richard at richarddugan.com. That's richard at richarddugan.com. With that, we move on to our final three questions, and they are in order of succession. First of all, who is Corinna Maharani? The ultimate question. I've spent my whole life trying to figure this one out. <laughs> Do you, you know, have an answer? Right, memoirs, so I can kind of unfiddle the whole question. But oh, so in other so words, I, we'll have we'll have to wait for the memoirs. What you're saying? <laughs> have to perhaps wait for that. But I do believe that I am an embodiment of an energy like you are, and everybody is. And you know, that's my belief. What uh, What is your life's purpose? I think it's to, with joy, do my duty on this earth. Hmm. And our third and new question. What was your best day? Oh, my God. I think when I was by myself... Meditating one day in the forest, it was raining, and I felt a super strong connection to some inner part of me, some spirit. And it was super powerful to me. And mm. I remember nothing could have taken me away from my joy that moment. It was very powerful. Mm. An internal experience, really. Well, again, Corina, I want to thank you again for joining us here and uh, look forward to having you back again. We can certainly thank talk you. about a lot of other things as well. Thank you for having me, and congratulations again to your 15 years anniversary. Well, thank you. Yeah, and such an honor to be on your program. Storytelling is so rich and wonderful. Well, we have fun with it, and uh, we try to ask different questions each time if possible, but that's that's the universe's job to uh, to bring those forth, and I'm very grateful that the universe does that every single program. And I want to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to Lal. And Jeanette, I am listening.